So in constitutional law today, we began by talking, continuing to talk about the judicial power and the power that the judges have, or really the Supreme Court has, based off of the Constitution and the constitutional framework and how that applies over states. So yesterday we talked about Marbury versus Madison to determine that the judicial review exists. Now we're going to examine Martin versus Hunter's lease to figure out how far that power extends. So Martin versus Hunter's lease, what happened in this issue is that there was a Virginia resident and he had gotten this um, confiscation, confiscation agreement from the state to kick out Martin. And Martin was a British resident and he complained and he said, well, due to this treaty, you can't confiscate this land. And so this is really a land dispute. Whose land is this? And the Virginia court said, Hunter, since we granted you this, this is your land. And this was appealed and it went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court disagreed. And they sent it back, uh, telling them to really reverse their original opinion. And the Virginia court here said, no, we're not going to do that. You're not the boss of us, which is really funny because it does sound pretty childlike. Virginia really refused to apply the law as the Supreme Court had said, saying, you're not the boss of us. We don't have to do that. Here's our ruling. And this got appealed again, and it went back to the Supreme Court. And now, obviously, we have the Supreme Court who says, no, you do have to do what we say. So that's really the big takeaway from this case is that the Supreme Court's jurisdiction extends over state courts. And so there's reasons that the courts give for this hierarchy, so to speak, of federal courts over, uh, over state courts. The first is that the federal judicial power extends to all cases. So this extends to cases that are heard in state courts as well as federal courts. And so the Supreme Court has the ability, the authority from the Constitution to hear all the cases regardless of where they originate. Second, Article 6 of the Constitution has the Supremacy Clause, which says that federal laws are superior to state laws. And so you can infer from the Supremacy Clause that federal courts are also superior to state courts. Not smarter, just superior. And third, a good reason for this would be that split decisions can be resolved across jurisdictions. So if Virginia says something, New York says something, then the courts, the federal courts, can hear those cases and resolve those disputes so there's uniformity in the federal laws throughout all the jurisdictions. And finally, it's to remove state bias on their decisions on federal issues. So those are the four reasons that the courts give to why they are superior to state courts. But we're really still left with the question of how far does judicial review extend. There's another case called Cooper versus Aaron, and this was after Brown v. Board, where Brown v. Board decided no more segregation in schools. There's no such thing as separate but equal anymore. And so Arkansas said, well, that rule just applies to those that are within that case. It only applies to the parties. It does not apply to those outside the parties. And so Cooper v. Aaron was challenging this notion 
that this rule applied to all jurisdictions based off of that one decision. And the court says even though it was just based off of those parties, that rule applies to everybody. And so really this leaves the dispute of maybe they went too far. They really expanded judicial review too far. So most people agreed that Marbury versus Madison, good case. Most people agreed that Martin versus Hunter's Lease, good case. But there's really dispute on whether or not Cooper versus Aaron overreached the judicial authority that it had. And that's really finishing up our discussions on constitutional framework with judicial review. I do want to spend just one minute talking about some of the reasons why we find the Constitution binding. Because a lot of people like the Constitution, and a lot of people dislike the Constitution. And those people that dislike the Constitution still are bound by the Constitution despite their dislike. And there's lots of reasons why people can still be bound, even with the animosity towards the Constitution. One of those reasons is that this is a document for the people. And because it's a document for the people, created by the people, then the people are bound by that document. Another, doc, uh, another argument is called the dead hand argument, where the founders did this, and because the founders did that, we, are, we agree with what happened then, and so we're bound by it. And it's really hard to kind of change that. Another, there's a few more. Let me actually open the book real quick. I want to read these off. Sorry, just be patient just for a second. Okay, so we talked about we the people, that's popular sovereignty. We talked about the dead hand problem. That's just, that's what the founder said, so we go with what the founder said. We have the quick dead hand thing, which is where people really struggle with the dead hand problem. But they say that this is... Um, the Constitution has adapted to those changes uh, fairly well. Uh, we have the good enough Constitution, where even though the Constitution is not perfect, it is good enough for us to abide by it. And then we have uh, modern acquiescence. This was another one that I found really interesting. Um, but it's really just we change the Constitution to adjust our needs, and as a result, we follow those adjustments. So those are some of the reasons why we follow the Constitution, and that is some of the judicial framework that we follow as well. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro, and you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials, and the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is, if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.